Hello and welcome to the Omni Talk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff and the AM Consumer and Retail Group. Today is February 18th, 2021. I am your host, Chris Walden, and I am joined, as always, by the woman who always comps year over year, Anne Mazinga, and Switzerland's favorite tennis fan, Emma the Intern. What's going on, guys? What a week! Woo! Retail sales are way up. Man, poor Texas, man. Did Mother Nature not get the memo? I don't think you're supposed to mess with Texas, but I feel bad for everybody down there. That's some crazy stuff going on. Yeah, it sounds bad, for sure. It took me a little while to like soften my heart toward them because it's been negative 30 in Minneapolis for like the last 12 days. But yes, I I do. uh, I have been in Texas when there's been an ice storm. And let me tell you, it's not... Not a good spot to be in. Well, Those people, just, no power. Ugh. Yeah, we talked to somebody this morning. We were like, when, when did you get your power? And we had talked to her on Monday. She didn't have power. She's like, yeah, we got it yesterday. I was like, holy cow. That's crazy. Yeah, they're but, boiling water. This is like old times happening here. And that's Not if you good. can turn your stove on, right? Like right. If you have an electric stove, like you're, you can't even do that. What's it like in Jersey with the folks, Emma? Are you hearing anything there? Like, what's it like on that side of the coast? I think it's been snowing a lot. I was talking to my mom yesterday and she had to dig out my dad's car because he hadn't left the house in months and he needed to go somewhere. So I think they have like a couple of feet of snow actually, but still nowhere near as cold as here. Yeah. So it's like a typical like Emma the Irwin family, like, you know, February. Yeah, that's that makes yep. sense. That makes sense. I'm pretty pumped too, you guys. Check this out. If you're watching on video at 11 o'clock, there's this that Alibaba has this. Look at this box if you're watching on video. It's oh, pretty damn. This is pretty wow. nice. This is like a luxe black, large black box. It looks like you should like pull out some Prada snakeskin boots out of that. Thing. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gone into it yet, but I'm pretty stoked because um, at 11 o'clock today, Alibaba is hosting for influencers, quote unquote, which I guess I am one, which is nice. A oh, Chinese new year discussion on the future of retail with their president, Michael Evans. Um, so they sent that to us in advance. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped to do that. I think it's going to be, I think so you can't cool. open it. You have to open it on like, you have to do a live unboxing. Is that what is happening? No, 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 no. I just haven't opened it yet. So I, I just haven't had a chance to go in and look, but I, I took a little peek and there, there's some cool stuff in there. Like some really nice tea, which I can't wait to drink later. This that is one of the worst teases of all time. You're going to just show us this box and then not say anything or tell us what's in it. Well, I'll, I'll pick some stuff out as we go through. Would that make okay. you happy as All we right. go through this yes. episode today? Yes. Also, and I was thinking... You, you would get a poor YouTube rating for unboxing. Let me tell you, the comments below your it's YouTube, true. nobody's going to buy your merch, Chris Walton. You're right. My Ryan, my Ryan, eight-year-old Ryan unboxing skills are just not up to snuff. You're no. right, Ryan Toy Review. Sorry. You know? continue you were going to elaborate on well that. no i was going to say too you know all this got me thinking you know being you know be the influencer quote unquote got me thinking we have been working you and i i'm the intern's gonna love this we are now in our seventh year of working together can you believe oh. that our seventh year and so i got thinking like i don't know how i got on this like rabbit hole but before we get to the headlines because this show's fun it's gonna be really eclectic we got barbershop stories all kinds of stuff i was thinking like if we were a duo and like what famous duo? We are we a duo. And don't don't spit out your coffee. No, but if like if you were to say we are this famous duo, like we're not Batman and Robin, like that's too weird. And then Emily Intel would be God knows what. But like your but, like, legs who, are way too skinny for tights. There's no yeah, way. That would yeah, work. you don't want to see. No one wants to see me in tights. That's that's actually a really good point. Like who would we be? And so I got I got thinking about that. And he, I got to tell you before I, I want to hear what you guys think. But to get your mind going, here's what I thought of. I thought of Cagney and Lacey. 
Like that could be one. Um, my personal favorite that I aspire to be, but I don't think we ever could be, Remington Steele. Remember that? Pierce Brosnan, uh, Stephanie Zimbalist. I, I think you could pull off Stephanie Zimbalist, but I can't pull off Pierce Brosnan. That's what I want. But my the one I actually picked, if I had to think about this, is I was going through my Rolodex, Seth and Evan from Superbad. I think that's who we are. <laughs> I think that's I who we it. are on a daily basis. But I'm Fair curious, what, what do you guys think? Who, if we were a duo, who would we be? Uh, well, I have to say, when you asked this question, the first thing that came to mind was Bruce Willis and Civil Shepherd from Moonlighting, which is hilarious because they were also detectives, but we are doing no detective work. So that That's doesn't good, work. What are you talking about? We're smoothing some things. We smooth uh, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. At least we're trying right now. We have more to come right. on that one. Right. Um, but I, I settled on uh, Jerry and Elaine. From Seinfeld. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. I like that. The that's early, of- the, the the nice one when they're nice, not when they're like rude to everybody. Oh, maybe we are. Yeah, I don't know. You know. Yeah. Just, yeah. We we lots of talk about ridiculousness and uh, <laughs> and Random my dancing. Totally, it's a consequence of the people. My dancing skills are very in line with Elaine's. I mean, I feel like it just kind of makes sense. That is true. I'm curious what the resident Gen Z would say here, though. Like, it's probably two people I don't even know. She has no idea what Remington Steele is, do you, Emma? Emma, you have no, no. idea what that show is, right? I didn't know, and I don't think I knew any of the ones you listed. But you knew um, super bad, right? Please tell me. You're I've not never seen super, super bad. bad. Oh, mm. So, but this is really going to show my age. I had to think long and hard about this, but I had to like go back into my mind of all the like duos that I know. And the best relationship that I could come up with was Buzz and Woody from Toy Story. Oh, that's cute. Who's Buzz and who's Woody? Just for reference. I think Chris is Buzz and you're Woody. Oh, oh, not who are they actually, but who are I'm Buzz and you're Woody. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I could see that. Um, so yeah, much I feel like to Buzz. infinity and beyond. Woody was more <laughs> level-headed. Yeah, I think that's that's and all right. <laughs> and, sl- and slumped over and like worn looking. Yeah, Buzz yeah. was the new toy. Yeah, I'll just be the old one from the the box for Mandy's box. Well, like. and Woody got Annie Potts, right? Didn't Annie Potts have the hots for Woody? Anyway, I digress. I digress. Yeah, People let's get like, to the retail let's news. To the, let's get to the yeah. Headline. Let's uh, we, move. We on. got some fun ones. We're going to talk a little Victoria's Secret. We're going to talk, which is fun. We always love doing that on the show. It's been a while. We're going to talk Poshmark going to the dogs. Amazon made a big acquisition this week, and Anne's got a, a lot of thoughts on that. And also happens to be our put it, put us on the spot question today. And I think I'm on the spot today, so I'm a little anxious with that one. And then we are going to close. I teased it before with a look at the new Old Spice Barber Shop that is causing quite the hilarity already on social media. But first, let's start with Walmart. Some cool news out of Walmart this week. Uh, Walmart Plus, according to Retail Dive, or as I like to call it, Walmart Double Negative, appears to be doing quite, quite well after its launch. After only five months, remember this thing started in September, the data research group, the Consumer Intelligence Research Partners, I love that name, the SERP, suggests that a mere five months after the program began, that Walmart Plus already has between 7.4 million and 8.2 million members. Those decimal points are really important in that versus just, you know, 7 to 8 million members. On average, they estimate that Walmart Plus members are spending $1,000 per year on walmart.com, which is roughly equivalent to what you see with Amazon and Amazon Prime. And what also blew me away in the research that they were sharing 
was that 13, they, were, they asked me that 13 to 14% of all purchases on walmart.com are now coming from Walmart Plus members. And what do you think about this data? You know, I think that this information is is promising for the program, but you know, and I think grocery delivery and keeping those services as a part of this free delivery, you talked forever about like, how do you start thinking about the Sam's club integrations and other parts of this to make this a more compelling offer. But for me, I think they really need to keep the pedal on the gas here to stay competitive. Like this is great for the first year, but a lot is changing, especially within the last couple of, uh, of podcasts that we've done just in the marketplace realm that if they aren't figuring out another, way to keep kind of pushing on this. I don't know that we see these numbers maintained, especially post-pandemic. That's a good point. You're right. It is five months old, but it's also nothing new in five months. So yeah, if Walmart's listening, which I know they, they do, like, yeah, that's something. Like, what, what's, what are you coming out with next? Like, I need some hook here because you're right. Like, I don't, I don't really get it. That's a really great point. I haven't thought about that. Emma, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting for the point where there's something cool enough where I'm like, I'm going to sign up for this. And I don't know exactly what I'm looking for, but I definitely agree. There just has to be more coming in order to really keep up with Prime or get to that level. Yeah, keep up with Prime or just all this. Yeah, I mean, I like, like, that's a great point too. Like we talked about next, last week. Like, yeah, if I can go on Shipped or Instacart and I can also get, you know, GNC and Best Buy and Sephora and Ulta maybe with Target, like God knows what else, right? Like, yeah, that's 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 a compelling point of differentiation again. Like, yeah, Walmart, you got to come with something here pretty quick. The other thing it tells me too is, do you remember the early research that came out where there was another company called People Say or People Say? Oh, remember that? Can, could I forget that? No, who can forget that? It's just rolls it's, off. It's obviously P I P L S A Y, right? Yeah, 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 like yeah, like Pimple, like Pippin, you know, the Pimple. famous literary character. Um, but like. That said that 11% of Americans had already had Walmart Plus, which based on this research, that that would be be way off. But I do think we should give Walmart some kudos here. I think if you look at, you know, just that number, let's say it's, you know, seven to eight you know million people strong, you know, Disney Plus worldwide, I think they just released their numbers is only like 80, 90 million people. And so, you know, I think when you put that in comparison, 10% of that number after only five months, I don't know. I don't have many comparisons to put it against. You know, Prime has pretty much the whole country already. Um, and it's pretty strong. I mean, so you got to give them credit out of the gate. But your point, yeah, I think that point's awesome. Like, how do you keep your, your foot on the gas and just make sure this thing's, this thing's jamming? They, All right, Ann. Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe they could add more swimwear. Like our next story. Swimwear. Everyone's and would Would free swimwear added. delivery be a big enough hook? Oh my gosh. Unlimited returns on swimwear or Ew. also said swimwear. <laughs> but, but there's a reason no. for that, Anne. What is it? Well, guys, story number two is around Victoria's Secret, who, according to Retail Dive, is reintroducing swimwear to stores in addition to online. Uh, they're bringing in brands Ira, Baobab, I'm probably mispronouncing that, Love and Lemons, Monica Hansen, Roxy, Skinny Dippers, etc. All of Chris's favorite swimwear lines. Love um, is my favorite. I think yeah, for sure. Why not? Big fan uh, of alliteration. So the, the mix and match items that they're offering, as they always have, will come in a range of sizes. Um, the suits start at $49. And uh, just as a, as a little side note, 
because Chris and I were talking about this yesterday, the brand did completely eliminate carrying swimwear back in 2016, if you'll remember. Um, and they were going to really go 100% in on, on lingerie and sleepwear and other items. Uh, they reintroduced swimwear two years ago, but just online. So now they're bringing it back in stores. And guys, for me, this is a little too late for, I think, this market who was going to Victoria's Secret for this back in the 90s when we were all so excited to get our Victoria's Secret swim catalogs pre-spring break and, like, pick out all of the swimsuits you were going to wear. Back in the 90s, it wasn't even that long ago. We're, I mean, this was, like, 10 years. We're talking 10 years ago, right? I mean, Yeah, maybe, fair. I'm just saying, trying. like, w- at the height of Victoria's Secret sure. swimwear, like, when you, Tyra was on the front of the catalog, like, in the yeah. most amazing suit, right? Yeah. That audience, I think, has gone to the off-price sector. I mean, Target's mm. totally ramped up their their swimwear lines. Walmart, like, and then you look at D to C. Like, you know, personal yeah. anecdote here: my mom, friends, and I were just talking about buying new swimsuits and what what's appropriate for a mom in her late thirties, early forties to be wearing. Mm. Um, and of the hundreds of swimwear companies we were talking about, Victoria's Secret never once mentioned not even in the running of all of the swimwear. So personally, I think like this is not a reason for me to go to Victoria's secret. Maybe it'll bring some traffic back to stores for returns and in the hopes that, you know, somebody comes and buys a, picks up a bra Mm -hmm. or a body spray on their way out. But I don't know. You think it's it's too late on this one. I think so. I got to hear Emma's take on this. Got to get the generational perspective. But before we do that, like the, the conversation with the mom friends, what, where it just, don't don't need a lot of details here. In fact, please don't give me a lot of details here. But on the what's ex, what 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 is an example? What exemplifies acceptable and maybe what's on the other end of not acceptable when it comes to you know moms in their thirties swimwear? How, where did that conversation begin and end? Well, it all started with an Instagram post where uh, one of my mom friends was about to buy a bathing suit. And this woman was ranting about how showed too much of her bum and her her whole family was embarrassed at the pool when the mom walked out in this revealing swimsuit. And we were all like, that's fine, right? Like, go on, mom, show your bum. It's like half a little spot. So anyway, so, so appropriate is somewhere between coverage and we'll like full on cape. You know, that yeah, yeah. Like, how do you have like body empowerment as a mom who's given life? Um, and then how do you (laughs) where where do you draw the line? What's too much? This is why I love doing this show, Emma. Save us, save us from the the Jerry and Elaine um minutiae here. What, what, what do you think here? Like, do you think this is a good move? Does it matter? Where's it fall for you in, in in the halls of Emma's analysis? So I personally have not paid attention to Victoria's Secret in like so long that I didn't even know they had swimwear at one point. I didn't know they got rid of swimwear at one point. And mm. they were huge on. in swimwear. It was a big deal. Yeah. But something interesting, a little perspective I can bring. So I grade a lot of papers and this past week students had to answer what your favorite retailer is. And like eight of them out of like 70 said Victoria's Secret. And these are kids oh, that are like 18 to 20. So I was like, what but okay i wonder yeah. if that's pink like how do we how do no we one break specified out pink dynamic? interesting i feel like they would have if they were one person mentions that they liked the pink line of victoria's secret okay but, and you don't think of pink as the retailer too i don't i don't think sure. at least i've never have seen that but um yeah interesting okay i got personally i don't 
2016, around this time, I was working with Paige Rossiter. Shout out to Paige. Yay. She was formally overseeing this category for Victoria's Secret, came to Target. And I can remember us being at the time like, what the hell are these guys doing? And it was like, thank you. Let me pick up all the manna from heaven that just fell to the ground, right? So, I mean, I think I think minimally, like, this is a smart decision. It's good to reverse course on this because that seemed really, like, silly at the time. And so, yeah, maybe if there's like still this audience that you can get people back into this as a reason to come into stores, you know, the whole try and experience around swimsuits is, you know, really different. And so, you know, you do want to go in, you want to make sure that fits in a different way. I think in general, it's also a category they've shown they can win over time. So there's probably market share to get back and to fuel that business. You know, is it too little too late? I don't, I don't know, but I think it's still a move in the strategically, it still feels like a move in the right direction to try to answer that fundamental question too. So I don't know. I'm at least bullish on the fact that they're doing it. All right, Emma, this is your category. We saved this particularly for you because of all the dog aficionados in the group. I think you are definitely the A plus candidate for this story. I am so excited about this story. And it's not just about dogs. It's about all the pets you could possibly have. But Poshmark has entered the pet category and they're gonna be selling new and secondhand pet accessories, supplies and toys for a variety of animals on their platform. And I am so disappointed that I did not come up with this. Like why did nobody come up, why did nobody do this? Like I have so much or so many things for my dogs, like booties and everything that my dogs hate, but they're brand new and I don't know what to do with them. And I don't wanna sell them on like Facebook marketplace. But this morning I was browsing and you can get everything from like an old Montclair jacket for your dog, a fish tank, a cowboy hat for your iguana. Like this is just fun. And I'm very excited that someone is finally kind of diving into this world. Will you use this? Will you do it? Because you're a big posh marker. Is that what you call somebody? I don't know what you call a posh. Posher. 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 It's a yeah. posher. Okay. Yeah. I would definitely use this? this. Yeah, for sure. I. It's so like... Dog stuff is so expensive, as you'll learn, Chris. And if it works, I don't need it to be new. So I might as well buy it. Secondhand. Oh, I, I, believe me, I've learned. And I feel like this is the appropriate <laughs> time for a Ginsburg update. Like, okay, I was big on the dog before. Now I'm softening on the whole dog thing. And like, <laughs> thank God dogs don't go to college or wear clothes because I think they'd be more expensive than kids, which I want to put on a poll because like, what is more expensive when you take those things out, dogs or kids? But anyway, I digress. And oh. I, you love this then, Anne. I, I do too. I think it's brilliant because I have some stats for you that blew my absolute mind last night. Okay. More than half of millennial pet owners buy their pets gifts at least once a month, once a month. And 77% of those millennials prefer to buy pet supplies online. This was a study that Zulily did, but the e-coms pet spending statistics are like said that online pet apparel buying is scheduled to, or in the, sorry, in between 2017 and 2018 went up over 200%. So it's just amazing. You look at the, uh, the Poshmark stats that they just put out too in their social commerce report of 2020. I mean, they over index in millennials and in Gen Z even more so than in millennials. And so I think that this just is like a total, like Emma said, why, why didn't this happen sooner? I think we're going to just see this completely explode in the space. And that is a lot of transaction fees for Poshmark to get from all of that, all of those transactions happening. They have 60 million users. It's crazy. Yeah. It seems like, a, it seems like a huge market to address. This seems like it's almost, you almost like listen to this and you're like, gosh, what, why, 
weren't they doing it before? It's like one of those kind of stories. I mean, I guess you're just probably trying to get the, the foundation and the groundwork in place. But I mean, I could see Emma, Emma being a hundred percent, a hundred percent all over this, you know, I mean, I, I, it seems like an absolute no brainer, especially when I see the psychology of like what, like you were just saying, and how invested people are in their dogs. It's the recession proof business that everyone talks about. Yeah. I mean, this thing's going to kill. I mean, I, I think it's, and not even for pet owners. Like you think about just the people who make their own business on Poshmark reselling goods. I mean, yeah. think of all the places like the you could just, you know, start going around to PetSmart clearance sections and picking out stuff. And now you've got this entirely new market. It's incredible. Yeah. And there's good margins in that stuff too. The costumes. I mean, even in Urban Rooster, we were selling like, we couldn't believe it. Like people were spe- spending hundreds of dollars on like matching pajamas for their dog and them. Like that really happened. Like I think our biggest order was that. And I was like, yeah. what the heck? Stop the so cute. Like, yeah. People are willing to try everything. And you know what I'm willing to try? I'm willing to try some vitamin C serum. I got some cool stuff here from this Alibaba. Yeah, Look at you need my sound. And I know you're going to love this one. Fenty Beauty by Rihanna. I'm keeping that <gasps> I'm saving that one for you. No. You oh, for me. Year, for you. Yeah, you can get okay. your New Year glow. Mrs. Amitak will not get her hands on this. I will keep this for you oh. as my fellow influencer uh, in retail. But anyway, enough enough of that. All right, let's do the put. Let's do the put. Put put me on the spot question, Anne. What do we got here I, today? From yes, AM? I'm I'm excited about this story. So, Chris, the story we're covering is Amazon has acquired Cells. That's S E L Z, an Australian company that makes tools that enable businesses to more easily launch their own online stores. So, Amazon quietly announced this uh, acquisition on January 15th, and Sells said in a similar post that it will be working with Amazon to build easy-to-use tools for entrepreneurs. So, Chris, your on-the-spot question from AM this week. With Sells, Amazon can now offer small merchants the ability to both launch their own site and presumably seamlessly become part of the Amazon marketplace, yet another channel. Does this then drive a huge advantage for Amazon, for example, compared to Shopify in the battle for small merchants? Oh man, wow. Okay, uh, whew, that's a lot. There's a lot in that question. I got to think about this one. Um, I mean, here's what I think about this move. I think the big thing before I ask you to answer that question, I think the big thing you have to put in context before you say what it does or what it means is like Amazon has to defend its marketplace, or even more importantly, the ecosystem around its market marketplace. I think as I was thinking about this story yesterday, Amazon is, I, I still think Amazon is, is the preferred marketplace. Amazon may not be the preferred e-commerce platform for a lot of small business, but it still is a very valuable marketplace. I mean, according to the, according to the article you cited, like over 50% of Amazon's transactions are coming now from third parties on their marketplace, right? On their e-commerce platform. So it's a huge, huge chunk of their business that they have to protect. So I, when you put it in that context, like it's a smart move. Sure, they had the web store thing that they shuttered before that no one must have been using, but they've got to think about a different way to do this and think about how to connect small, medium-sized businesses into their network across everything that they do. That's what Shopify is doing. You know, we've talked about, you know, what is it? The uh, Why can't I think of it? The Shopify finance thing right now. What is it called? Oh, balance. Shopify balance. Like all those different things you can do to help entrepreneurs which it feels like Amazon, I'm sorry, Shopify has a leg up on, but in terms of Amazon, like you start thinking about, but what are all the other things you can do around commerce, fulfillment, 
Um, I think even some of the things that they're, they're doing in store with just walkout technology and what does that mean longer term for the small and medium sized business? You've seen them license that to airports already. Like this is a move, whether this is the right partner, I'm not so sure about that. I don't know the details on that, but this seems like a smart play here uh, in terms of what Amazon has to do to protect its flanks, in my opinion. But Ann, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. To get my small business on Amazon, it takes some work, probably consultants, somebody who can help me figure out like what's the process to like actually get my product for sale on Amazon. It's not like setting up the website, right? Which is what, which is what I'm getting to. Yes. So it's not, you can set up a shop on Shopify in an hour if you have the product and it's simple. That platform works both in store and online. And that's something that you can't do right now on Amazon. So if we look at what Amazon's been doing with SMBs, with influencers, with designers, like now to have the ability to not only like A&M is suggesting, not only be able to get a website stood up and get online and and start selling your product in a matter of minutes. But in addition to that, you have this tie into the Amazon marketplace, which I think is going to be a significant shift if Amazon can can make this one seamless thing. And the reason being, there is a lot of money to be made from these SMBs on Shopify right now. And Shopify is owning this whole space. Like, Oh, they reported huge the, numbers yesterday or this week, exactly, right? Exactly. Like this is something that Amazon needs to be going after because there's a significant amount of money to be made in those early stage. Even if they're not converting fully to the Amazon platform for, you know, a year or two, or if they never do, there's still a lot of money to be made in that area. I think it's also interesting to think about this as an extension too of what we're seeing like with Amazon drops and the Amazon custom fashion platforms where you're having influencers who are able to not only put their own products or create their own influencer shops on Amazon, but who are ap- actually like manufacturing products. Like they're, they're using Amazon for a full end-to-end from discovery and design all the way through to fulfillment, as you mentioned. So This is a really huge move for Amazon. I think where this goes and what the the SMB adoption is going to look like is another thing. I think Amazon's kind of been, uh, for some SMBs, especially like the smaller mom and pop boutiques, Amazon's kind of been the enemy, I think, until they have to work with them or they need them for scale. What, yeah, and the other thing, the Amazon experience isn't always necessarily designed for like brand and fashion and things like that too, which I think is part of the consideration set here. But I think the other thing that comes that comes to mind on this story too, which is probably why it's so important, is you're going to see even more activity in this space. I mean, this is probably, when you start talking about defend the marketplace, so to speak, um, that means you're going you're gonna to fight tooth and nail for this. So God knows what else is going to go on and how much money is going to get funneled to this, which I haven't thought about previously until you just said all the stuff you just said. Emily, you got any thoughts here? I think I wanted to point out, like, I think Amazon's really going to win this because they have the marketplace. Like when you go to Shopify.com, you don't get to browse through categories and find different brands and whatnot, whereas you can do that through Amazon. And I now have experience working on setting up like Amazon official stores for musicians. And it is a slog. But once you have that store set up, it's actually really like easy and it feels really more trustworthy to shop through these official stores made by a certain brand or business. So I think there's a lot in here. Right. That's the thing. Like Amazon definitely, definitely understands that and has years and years of experience in that. And Shopify, 
I don't, it's trying to build it. We've, we talked probably six months to a year ago about their first efforts on that. And it, you know, it looked like a first effort, quite frankly. Um, and I, and that's why I still think the, all the like Shopify balance, all those things, those are much more imitatable than I think some of the capabilities Amazon already has stood up, especially when you start talking about some of the capabilities in physical retail too. If you can figure out how to connect that down the line. So we're talking 10 to 15 years out, who's going to win this? I think I'm with you guys. I mean, I still think Amazon has the leg up, um, but man, holy crap, there's going to be a flood of investment and activity in this yeah. space. You, I think you also have to think about where people are discovering product again. Like I'm going to bring that part up and Shopify is making like Shopify. You can still do it with sales. You can still, you know, put your e-commerce shop onto Facebook and Instagram shops, very simply Google shopping also. But I think that, you know, where it's again, that line of commerce again, like where you're discovering product, are you going to Amazon or are you finding it online and who's got the platform to support that for small businesses? How does that work? Well, and that's that too, right? Like, are you actually finding it on the platform or are you finding it on the connection to Instagram with that platform, right? Or the social media network, which yeah, Amazon's got to get in there and figure that out. Because, you know, and that is what allows you to take some of the control of that marketplace over time, too, depending on where you land and how easy that commerce experience is. Wow. Yeah, you can tell fascinating. A lot of discussion here. Great. Put us on the spot question, too, because I think it shows that that was probably the most important, most important topic of the day. All right. Let's shift shift gears here. We're going to talk story number five. I think this story is just absolutely hilarious. Can't believe the social media traction it's getting and fought like crazy to get this story in. I was vehemently debating against it, but I lost that <laughs> argument. Uh, so here it is. So Old Spice is opening its first flagship barbershop in Ohio. This Wednesday, they opened up a barbershop. The whole thing is designed to increase reach. They've had an e-commerce direct-to-sales channel, but now this is going to be their first permanent standalone bricks and mortar store that is owned and it appears operated by PNG. It's, of course, situated right on the Ohio State University campus or close, very close to it. And it has everything that you would expect, Anne and Emma, the intern. It has Instagrammable moments like wooden boats chopped in half as the reception desk, 3D models of various haircuts and styles. Oh, and of course, it has a content studio, yes, where visitors can create and share real-time social and digital content. And it's also a residency home for well-known barbers. They can have clients, they can meet clients, host visits and appointments and shoot social media content inside the content studio. It's so exciting. What do you guys think of this? Go to Emma first, because I want to hear what Emma? she has to say as resident Emma, Gen Z. What do you think? That was a lot to follow, but I mean- It was, and I tried to, <laughs> I tried to make it so exciting. It sounds so fun. I mean, I- it sounds cool that they're doing something different. I do think if they can get the Ohio State like football team in there doing events and getting their hair done and everything, then like that's going to be big. And I think that'll draw in a lot of people. But I mean, kudos to them for innovating in the kind of salon space. But let me ask, maybe ask you this question, Emma, before we go to Anne. Is this idea cool enough that we're going to see like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make the number that high, 100 Old Spice barbershops throughout the country? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Okay. And okay. and does it save and does it improve the brand? Do more people buy Old Spice? I think that's the other question. Will more people buy Old Spice to a significant degree than they do now based on them doing this effort? 
Maybe. I'll give that one a maybe. All right. Good call. And so they basically have created like the TRL of Old Spice, right? You just go in there and you make content. Like this is just a content studio. I think that's the number one thing. Is it? When I, I when I first saw this headline, I was kind of excited because I'm like, hey, another example of the a giant brand, a PNG owned b- brand going direct to consumer. It's interesting. I yeah. think realistically, no, this is a content studio. We're not going to be seeing a hundred of these, but humor me for a minute and all the people online, Chris Walton, who want what they want and they want Old Spice and Centaurs. Uh, <laughs> could it, is there a possibility that this could be licensed, that you could license this to an existing offer, like a sport clips or whatever it might be. I mean, you think about that. And for me, I do think that there is like PNG is not going to get into the barbershop management or even the content management space. Like this is, this is a pop-up like experiential retail idea, but I do wonder what happens if you start putting PNG product in a barbershop as an alternative to the $32 hair gel that you're buying right now. And if that's a way to, if there is a way to kind of marry those or create that partnership there, and if that's a creative partnership that somebody could explore in theory, I don't think they're going to be managing barbershops as part of their portfolio anytime soon, but I kind of like this idea for the, you know, the creativity yeah, you and, know, the, and the centaurs. I mean, I, right. Like if the, if the barbers are centaurs, yeah, that was my big question on social media, even though I did that wrong. Um, this, Okay. I've had 24 hours to think about this. I think I hate this and I think it's smart at the same time. And it's also the type of story that really pisses me off when you cover, like when you're trying to cover the future of retail, because everyone gets excited about it. I, here's why, here's what I don't like about it. Okay. Right. Like all that stuff. It reminds me of the, the Star Night Live commercial with Dan Aykroyd. Like it's a dessert topping and it's a floor wax, right? Like whatever shimmer, the new, whatever, it does everything, right? It's just, it has, it's the calling card of everything that people try to talk about every week is like changing retail. It's just, so that part's silly to me. And then you said it, Anne, like at the end of the day, it's a goddamn barbershop and that's the business that it is, right? And so if you're going to scale this, and that's what I don't like about the story, because you read the, the article, the PNG executive is talking about how they're going to scale this. And it's like, really, you guys are going to get into the operating the barbershop business, that thing is cutthroat. There's a ton of competition. That's a freaking terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. So then I stepped back and I just said, okay, wait, is all that just BS? And there's never going to be more than one of these. And now we're all freaking talking about it in a different way. Sure, maybe it gets energy and you can license it and you make some money like they're doing like with Tide dry cleaners and crap like that. They're not running and operating those. I don't, I don't think anyway. And it's different in a lot of ways too. But like, now we're talking about it. It gets some interest. It makes the brand sound cool again. And maybe people at Ohio State near the campus are going to do this. But even if you're rolling it out, it's a dumb idea. Like you don't put your first store in Ohio, you know, Ohio State right next to where your headquarters are, very close to where your headquarters are. You test it somewhere else to make sure that there's, you know, real relevance to what's going on. So like, you know, when I look at it that way, okay, yeah, brilliant marketing move, fine, do what you want with it. But like, as terms of like, this is a retail story that like, we should all get excited about how brands are, you know, going from their traditional channels to now stand up barbershops and experiences with Instagram studios and shit like that. Excuse my language, earmuffs. This drives me freaking crazy. Okay, rant over, done. And finish this up. Well, but what about Ulta? 
they have barbershops in their or like they have like salons in their space. I mean, I think it's yeah, but it's part of their experience. That's different. They're they're in the store running experience, and they, if they want to put that in as something they think adds sure. to that, that's different than like I'm a brand marketer. I put my business is putting things on shelves, and now I'm going to go run barbershops. Totally, totally different thing. I think you need to detach the barbershop from the content studio and the like if you think about this as i'm spending $133,000 or whatever their one year rent is they put in the article is for the space this is a marketing that's a marketing budget for one brand that's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things and it's doing it's performing how it should like it's getting the attention it should need and if you think about it not as like another business model to go after like disrupting barbershops i think it's this is a content play and a, a marketing play yeah but, but no one used i mean that's the thing but nobody goes in and may, ends up making content in those things when you start talking about it at scale so maybe like one sure like that's fine but you i need to follow more barbers on youtube <laughs> right but I, but I think the important part of it is like this is like this stuff's not going to necessarily save you like you're, you're if you're going to end up running barbershops or you're going to yes. end up running restaurants in your retail stores and that's the hook that's getting people to shop. That's a really inherently dangerous proposition. You've got to come up with something yes. else and something more compelling. Those business models are tough. They fail. And, and there's a reason, you know, that it, it's, it, anyone can get into them, right? Like that's the tough part. So I don't know. Emma, you have any last words on this generational perspective? I don't. I think you guys. believe how much people are talking about this. I think you guys pretty much covered it. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's cool, but is it like going to expand? Is it the future? I don't know. I think this is the only time we hear about this story ever again. That's my prediction. I, Let's put it to bed. Let's I doubt we're going to see any of these. All right. Well, that bring wraps it to the stable. Bring those bring centaurs to, let's, let's put it to bed. All right. Big happy birthday today. This might be like the biggest birthday day in the history of the show. Happy birthday today to Molly Ringwald, Sybil Shepard, Matt Dillon, Tex, Whoa. what's happening, Tex? Vanna White? Oh, oh Vanna, my gosh. Right? I know. And wait for it. Tony Monero himself, Mr. John Travolta. Huge. All on this day? All on this day. Can you believe? And there were people. What happened nine months Jack before? Jack Collins was on the list. John Hughes. And Stella went with Adela Dazim of John Travolta fame, if you remember that line from the Oscars. Like, big day, big day. All right. But anyway, wrapping us up, if you can only listen or read one retail blog in the business, if you aren't already, please, for the love of the Lord, make it on me time. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And we do it all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And, of course, as always, be careful out there. OmniTalk Fast Five Podcast is brought to you by the A&M Consumer and Retail Group and, of course, Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery buying and powering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com.